0: Chapter 28 Ashley carefully went up the stairs, leaning heavily on Trish's shoulder. For all Trish's slimness, she was solid muscle, and Ashley took comfort in the firmness of her grasp around her waist. Two more steps, and she was inside the door, Tina held open for her. Madison and Savannah were inside with tears in their eyes. Guilt played over their faces as they looked at the woman they'd witnessed their father beat unconscious, the day before. Ashley reached out and the two girls were against her, crying and telling her how sorry they were. She shushed them, then kissed the top of their heads, telling them they weren't to blame for her beating and she hadn't expected them to fight off their father, who was so much bigger than them. Their hugs were hurting her ribs and Tina caught her wincing, so she stepped in and suggested the girls go turn down the sheets on Ashley's bed and prop up the pillows so she'd be comfortable. The two immediately disappeared down the hallway. Ashley said a silent thank you to Tina, who smiled and nodded. Trish and Tina each took an arm and helped Ashley down the hall into the first guest bedroom. They set her on the edge, and the girls helped her lean back comfortably. The pain left Ashley's features as she relaxed. Ah, that's so much better, she sighed, and the girls beamed big smiles at her. How is Joshua? the mother asked. Daphne, Lisa, and Laurie are taking excellent care of both Joshua and Christopher, who have become inseparable friends. Tina smiled. The last crease on her brow relaxed, and Ashley closed her eyes. We'll let you get some sleep and we'll look in on you in a couple of hours. If you need anything, please call. We're right outside and we'll come running, Tina said, gesturing for the teens to leave the room with her. They walked out into the living room and took seats. Trish leaned forward to speak quietly. Did you want to do another trial run for the panic room? Tina looked at the two young women and shook her head. They are ready. The redhead looked uncomfortable. It's the least I can do. Well, if I'm not needed, I'm gonna head home. Get changed and go for a run. I have my cell, so call me if you need me. Tina rose and walked Trish to the door. Tina locked up and went back to the living room. The girls were on the tablet, chatting with Miriam and Jane Wilson, Beth's daughter, whom Miriam introduced the previous evening. She smiled at the healing power of friends. Dr. Granger left her office and made her way towards Ben's room. Now that she knew what to look for, she could begin the healing process with Ben. She intended to use hypnotherapy to regress him back to the date of the original event and identify the triggers which made the memories resurface. Once she had that, she was going to take Ben back to the date and have him watch the events as an observer so he could describe what happened that day. She'd be able to show him how he wasn't responsible for the actions of Walter. When she got to the ward, Hector wasn't at his post. The orderly should have been at his station. Then she saw the streak of blood across the control panel of the desk. There was more blood on the floor and coming from under the closet door. She grabbed up the phone and dialed. Security, a man answered. This is Dr. Granger in the psych ward. We have an emergency situation. I need a security team and send a medical team as well. She opened the closet door and stifled a scream. Call the police. Hector's been murdered. She looked away and looked across the screens at the patient's her eyes locked on the screen, showing Ben's room. There was a man leaning over Ben's body. He was beating on his chest. No, he was stabbing him. The man with the knife suddenly began to scream, and Dr. Granger heard him all the way down the hall. A high-pitched squeal of agony. He was trying to get away from Ben's hand, which had a firm grip on his groin. Finally, he managed to tug away, and he fell to the floor, retching his stomach contents out, He managed to stagger to his feet, holding his groin. Dr. Granger thought he was going to start stabbing Ben again, so she leaned out in the hall and yelled, Security and police are on their way. Put your weapon down and lie on the floor, she growled with her loudest, most authoritative voice. On the screen, the man's head whipped towards the door. Then he went back to the bed and slashed Ben across the face. Dr. Granger screamed and the man ran out the door and up the hallway towards the security station. She locked herself in and stared into the maddened eyes of Eli Stern as he ran past to get to the exit. 30 seconds later, the first security officers showed up. Dr. Granger opened the door and ran to Ben's room. Ben was unconscious and bleeding from his chest and the slash across his face. The medics burst into the room behind her pulling a gurney. They undid Ben's restraints and pulled him over onto the gurney. They strapped him in and rushed him out of the room with Dr. Granger in pursuit. Administrator Cooper was standing in the gallery of the operating room they brought Ben into. Dr. Granger entered the gallery and immediately went to her side. How is he? Hannah looked at her and her face was white. He looks like a pincushion. How many times was he stabbed? What happened to his face? It's covered in blood. Eli Stern killed Hector and got into Ben's room. He was stabbing Ben in a frenzy. Ben was still locked in his restraints. But the man was leaning over Ben, and Ben grabbed and squeezed his testicles hard. In retaliation, he slashed Ben's face. I called out, and he fled, right past me. The man had not upper or lower front teeth. He looks horrifying. Dr. Padme has begun, Hannah said, watching the operation with complete attention. Tina made a light dinner for Ashley and the teens, and they ate on trays in Ashley's room. The conversation was light, and smiles were gradually replacing the nervous looks. Tina was closest to the door. She heard a strange tearing sound. She got up to investigate, and the sound was coming from the kitchen. She flipped on the deck lights, and she saw a hand with a knife Cutting through the stiff curtain, they'd lowered around the deck as extra protection. While her heart leapt up into her throat, Tina immediately headed back to Ashley's room and addressed the teens in a calm voice. We must go to the panic room. Now, this is not a drill. Madison and Savannah froze but jumped when Tina clapped her hands together. Ashley didn't know what was going on. Tina took Ashley's tray away and Madison grabbed one arm while Savannah grabbed the other. They helped their mother to her feet and walked her out of the room towards the stairs, to the basement. The going was slow, so they just reached the top of the stairs when Eli slammed his shoulder against the glass patio door. The three screamed, but he just bounced off and slammed to the deck. Downstairs now, Tina barked, and the three started moving again. Tina would not allow them to stop, and look at Eli's futile effort to break through the armoured glass. Ben hadn't wanted to give thieves an easy way, and so he'd invested in the toughest glass panels available, then double-plied them. Eli saw his target disappearing, and Tina following. When the group got to the bottom of the stairs, Tina went around them, down the hall, to the lock panel, to the workshop. She punched in the code, and the door unlocked. She stepped inside, and the lights came up, She urged the teens and Ashley to move faster. There was the sound of wood cracking, and the three moved faster. They could hear Eli's screams of rage. Finally, Ashley was inside, and Tina pulled them to the side. She closed the door. She flipped the panel on the wall and pressed the red button. There was a deep, rumbling sound, and the little monitor on the wall by the door flickered on. They could see an armored panel on the other side of the door was sliding over the doorway. The camera was focused, looking down at the entrance, so it must have been in the ceiling. Suddenly, Eli was against the wall, pounding on the exposed part of the door. Everyone shrieked and jumped back. He pushed at the sliding panel, but it continued on its path without any sign of his interference. They heard a final thunk, and the panel was closed. A voice came from the speaker next to the little monitor. Nine hundred eleven. Please state the nature of your emergency. Tina looked at Ashley, then back to the speaker. Hello, my name is Tina Lee. I am at 16 Ashburn Court, and I need to report that a bad man has broken into my house. He is trying to kill us. Mrs. Lee, are you able to get to a safe room and lock yourself in? Yes, I am in a panic room in the basement. I do not believe he can get in, she replied. Okay. Police are on the way. Please stay on the line. Ashley. Madison. Savannah. Open the fucking door right now, Ely raged. They watched him on the monitor as Eli looked around for something to open the door. Every now and then, he'd stop and hold his groin and moan. Then, he looked up and made an excited sound and left the picture. Seconds later, he was back with a big sledgehammer in his hands. Madison and Savannah began to cry, and Ashley hugged them. "'It will not work,' she said with contempt in her voice. The girls perked up and looked at her confident smile. Eli was trying to see where to hit the door. There wasn't much room to swing the big hammer in the basement, and the whiskey he'd drank to dull the pain from his teeth was fucking up his coordination a little. On his first two attempts, he hit the drywall ceiling above his head. Tina snorted. Eli's third swing hit the door with a mighty boom, but it held. Eli got into a pattern and began to make a big dent in the door panel. Trish had been coming back from her late jog when she heard the cracking of Ben's front door. She looked down the street and saw the shape of a large man slamming a huge rock from the ornamental garden against the front door. She immediately ran into her house and called the police to report the break-in. She gave Ben's address and her name, then hung up and ran into the basement to get the fighting sticks she and John used to spar with, 15 inches long and made of solid hardwood. She'd learned a few nasty tricks with these. After sparring, she and her husband would have the most aggressive sex. She pushed that from her mind and raced back upstairs, almost colliding with Lily and Mason. Bouncing on the balls of her feet, she told them to stay inside and she raced out of the house towards Ben's. Eli was tiring quickly. Sweat dripped down his face and onto the floor. The sledgehammer was so fucking heavy and it started bouncing on the surface of the door as his swings weakened. Each impact against the door made the pain in his balls spike and his face was hurting so fucking much too he needed a drink so bad. He swung the hammer back for one more mighty swing when his concentration was broken. Hey, shit for brains, a woman's voice yelled. He staggered forward, and the hammer went right up into the drywall ceiling and got jammed there. He tugged at it, but the handle just hung down. He spun around and saw a tall redhead standing at the base of the stairs, partially in shadow. What the fuck is it with you interfering bitches? Eli growled. I think you'd better put your fucking ugly face on the floor with your hands on the back of your head. The police are on their way, shithead, Trish growled in return. Eli pulled out his knife. No, I don't think I will. See this. I used it to make a dozen deep holes in the asshole who did this to my face. Now it's going to add a few more holes to you. Trish froze. You hurt Ben, she said quietly. I fucking killed him. I'll carve you as his tombstone, cunt, Eli screamed as he lunged forward, knife jabbing towards her chest. Trish screamed in primal rage and snapped her left hand down. The stick smashed into Eli's right wrist, snapping the bones and spinning the knife off to the side. The point of the right club caught him in the sternum, stopping him in his tracks. His eyes bugged out as he couldn't get a breath. Trish was still screaming in rage as she spun the sticks once more. She broke his jaw with the right and cracked a rib with the left. Up came the sticks again as she spun them faster. His broken nose flattened under the left club and his elbow snapped under the right. He was trying to scream, but he still couldn't get a breath. She kicked him in the chest hard and he careened back, knocking the handle of the sledgehammer up to the ceiling. Then he crashed into the armoured door. He took two steps forward and fell on his face. He lay there senseless, and Trish stepped back, heaving deep breaths, as the reality of what Eli said finally sank in. Ben was dead. The man who loved her was gone. She sunk to her knees, dropping the sticks, which rolled away under the furniture, and she wailed. With the slightest squeak to announce its release, the twenty-elb sledgehammer slipped from the fragile grip of the torn drywall and fell. It struck Eli at the base of his skull, with a small snap breaking his neck. Tina was in shock. Ben was dead. That couldn't be right. He was with Hannah in the hospital. He was safe. She pulled out her cell phone and dialed Hannah. Hello? Hannah... Is Ben all right? She gasped. Hannah was still in the gallery, above the operating theater, watching the doctor, Padme, struggle to save Ben's life. His heart had stopped twice, but the doctor brought him back each time. She had forgotten to call Tina. Oh my God! I'm sorry I should have called you. Ben's in the operating room now. He's been stabbed multiple times. He's in critical condition and the doctor is still working on him." Tina slumped to the floor and felt tears begin to well up. Then she shook herself angrily and lunged back to her feet. She walked back to the little monitor and saw police coming down the stairs into the outer room. She lifted the panel and pressed the red button again. The deep rumble began, but this time it was accompanied by a screeching whine as the dented door scraped against the wall. Tina yanked open the inner door, and once the outer door was open, sufficiently, she ushered Ashley and the teens through and closed the inner door behind her. She heard the lock click shut. Tina made for the stairs. An officer was kneeling beside the still body of Eli Stern when Tina rushed past. Miss, wait! Tina stopped and spun around. I cannot. I must go to the hospital. Ben is badly hurt. Ben's not dead. Trish seized on this news and looked hopefully at Tina, who turned to her and shook her head. Hannah says they are operating on him now. He is in critical condition. I must be with him. I'll drive, Trish gasped and leapt to her feet. No one is going anywhere until we get statements, the officer yelled, pointing to the body on the floor. Trish gave him a frustrated look, The fucker was pounding on the door with the hammer. It got stuck in the ceiling. He pulled a knife on me, and I disarmed him, and I disarmed him, and kicked him back against the door. He fell. I didn't see what happened to him after that, Trish growled. The hammer fell on his head. Madison squeaked, and all eyes turned to her. She looked up at the police officer. I saw it on the TV screen in there. She said, pointing back to the workshop, I must go. Tina stomped her foot. Officer Jackson, escort these two ladies too, the first officer began. Western Mercy, Trish said. Western Mercy and stay with them. Take their statements there. Officer Jackson led the two women outside to his patrol car. He helped them into the back, then headed off to the hospital. And you are? The first cop Officer Grant asked the woman, looking down at Ely. I'm Ashley Beaumont. That's my husband, Elijah Ray Stern. These are his daughters, Madison and Savannah Stern. I was watching the TV screen as well. What Trish said is what happened. I mean, I saw Eli pounding on the door with the hammer, and then it got stuck in the ceiling. Out and jump forward. Then all I could see was his back until he flew back into the picture when Trish kicked him. He hit the hammer's handle and then the door. He fell then the hammer dropped and struck him. Savannah and Madison were both nodding with big eyes. They were trying not to see the body of their father on the floor. Officer Grant led them back upstairs into the living room. The woman moved very slowly and he was told that this was because that this was because the deceased had badly assaulted her the day before. The teens gathered pillows and made her comfortable on the sofa then sat on either side of her resting their heads on her shoulders. The officer then slowly had them go over what happened again as he took notes. The forensic team came in and began their work. Ashley worried about all these strangers walking around in Ben's house. Of course, they were all police and her husband was dead, so she was feeling safer than she had in a long time. Officer Jackson led Tina and Trish through the hospital directly to the gallery of the operating room, where Dr. Padme continued to work on Ben. Tina rushed up to the window and looked down at Ben's unconscious form. She spun to Hannah. How did this happen in your hospital? I thought he was safe here, she cried. Hannah looked guilty. It shouldn't have been possible. We don't know how he got in, or how he found Ben. When they catch him, we will ask him. He's dead. Trish said. What? Hannah gasped. He went to Ben's to find his wife and kids, probably to finish the job he'd started. Stupid fucker tried to attack me with a knife. She glanced at the cop, who was paying close attention. I disarmed him and kicked him against the door. He fell. The sledgehammer he was using fell from where it was stuck in the ceiling and landed on his head. How on earth did you know how to disarm a man with a knife? Hannah asked. John and I sparred. A lot. Remember, if it was physical and dangerous, John wanted to do it. I was better at it than him, though. She smiled, but it dimmed immediately. How is Ben doing? Most of the wounds are superficial, or in non-critical places. His aim with the knife was thankfully poor, but a few were very bad. She didn't mention his heart had stopped twice. Why is Ben's face bandaged? Tina asked. The man slashed his face. Dr. Ramsey was in earlier and took care of that. I don't know how bad it was or how bad the scar will be. Dr. Ramsey is a specialist for those kinds of wounds. Tina's eyes welled up with tears. Hannah's phone chirped. She looked at it in annoyance, then guilt. She immediately sent a response. Moments later, an orderly guided Gabriella, Catherine and Rochelle into the gallery. Gabriella and Catherine immediately went to Tina and hugged the woman. They pulled Trish into the group hug. Rochelle was wavering on the edge, but Trish pulled her in, then Hannah. Dr. Granger arrived and took in the group hugging by the window. She caught Hannah's eye. Any change, she asked. Hannah shook her head. Trish suddenly got a puzzled look on her face. Wait, how did he manage to stab Ben so many times? Ben kicked his ass the first time they met. Was he asleep? Drugged, she saw Hannah was looking at Doctor. Granger. So she turned to face her too. The Doctor felt incredibly uncomfortable under their scrutiny. She drew herself up and girded herself for their reaction. For his safety, she paused when she saw the irony there. Ben was in restraints. The explosion from the group was frightening and violent. Catherine had to hold Trish back as she lunged for the doctor. Hannah gestured for her to leave. Quickly, she did. Motherfucker, Trish yelled. He had to lie there helpless while that asshole stabbed him again and again. She suddenly looked green, then she rushed out of the gallery and across the hall to the washroom before her stomach heaved. Officer Jackson stayed close. Gabriella, Catherine and Tina were all crying while looking down at Ben. Trish came back into the gallery after freshening up and rinsing out her mouth. Suddenly, the machines connected to Ben started wailing. His heart had stopped for a third time. There was a frenzy of activity, but the machine continued to drone. The women all held each other and their breath. Dr. Padme looked up at Hannah. His weary look was grim.